It's good to be together. Welcome to all those of you watching us online, those of you listening to the service. It's always good to be together in the day of the Lord around God's Word in fellowship. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you. And we've reached December, like we heard this morning when my wife was speaking. Can you believe it? The end of the year is here. Like, what happened to 2022? But here we are, guys, and let's enjoy this last month. And today is the start of our Christmas series. And this Christmas series this year is called Advent. Advent. Amen. Now, Advent, the word Advent. What does the word Advent mean? All right. And it's got nothing to do with a certain church denomination. It's Advent. The word Advent means the arrival of a notable person or thing. That's what the word Advent means. Something notable. We, we, we talked back in the, in the 50s and 60s of the advent of television. You know, it was a completely new thing, a notable thing, which has been with us ever since. But in church circles, it talks about the season where we remember the birth of Christ. It is the first season of the church calendar. Uh, the church has put a calendar together, starting with the advent, with the coming of D Jesus, and then going out throughout the year, celebrating different events in his life. And so, it is the, the first season of the church. It's usually those four Sundays before Christmas, where we remember the coming of Jesus, the arrival of someone very notable. Amen. Now, some churches have already started a Christmas series last Sunday on the 27th, because this year, the fourth Sunday of December is actually Christmas Day. You heard it this morning, amen? We always spoke about the Christmas service you're going to have on the 25th. And if you guys are in Pretoria, those guys watching, if you're in Pretoria, see you here, okay? Christmas Day, you are invited to our Christmas service on the 25th, right here, 9.30 at church. And so, because... Often the church celebrates four Sundays before Christmas. Some started already last Sunday. But our series starts today, and it goes right up till Christmas Sunday. And what's the series about? Well, Advent, coming. Throughout the Bible, births often bring great hope and expectations and are the result of great faith in God. Look, I think every birth is the result of faith in God. Right, Brother Jeremiah? I mean, his wife is about to give birth. Tomorrow, I believe, eh? If all goes well. But anyway, and, and it's always a matter of faith and of great expectation. And we're trusting God that things will go well and so forth. And it's great expectation. And often in the Bible, many births were the result of great faith and great expectation. And many of these, or some of these births, they, they foreshadow or they point to the greatest birth of all, which is the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth we will be celebrating on the 25th of December. And so we are going to look in this series at three births, three births that did that, that pointed to the coming of Jesus. And then on Sunday, the 25th, we are going to look at the greatest birth of all, which is the birth of Jesus Christ, the unexpected king. But today, as you look at the first account in the Bible of a birth that points to the birth of Jesus, this is part one, and it's called the unexpected son. The unexpected son. 
And our text comes from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. And it says the following. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Amen. I, I want you to notice something because I, I pray that this message to you this morning will be an encouragement and will strengthen your faith in believing what God says. God had spoken to Sarah, and so it, it says here, he visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for her as he had spoken. What has God spoken to you? What, what do you believe that God has spoken to you individually? And, and what about the promises that God has made to us corporately? Think about that. Verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son was born to him, whom Sarah had born to him, Isaac. Then Abram circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham, are you listening? Abraham, verse 5, was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Okay, guys, those of you a bit advanced in age, it's not too late, eh? Well, ladies, Sarah was 90 years old. <laughs> wow. Well, Sarah said in, in verse 6, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. Won't you believe it? Imagine, oh, grandma comes along, you know, 90 years old. Oh, is this your great-grandchild? No, <laughs> this is my child. He made her laugh. And whoever heard her story kind of laughed with her. And by the way, the name Isaac means laughter. <laughs> so she also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Yay! <laughs> well, listen. Listen. The Bible, as we have it today, it, it was written over a period of about 1,500 years by over 40 authors in three different continents. 66 books. Okay? Scattered through time and space. And yet, when you look at those 66 books, there is one story, one big story, which unites all those 66 books together. Running through those books and the, and the big stories and the smaller stories in their Bible, there is one story which runs through it all. We call it a meta-narrative, an overarching narrative which links all 66 books of the Bible. And this meta-narrative is important because it connects all the history of the Bible to your life and my life today. What on earth does this old book, ancient book, 
written over hundreds of years by many authors in different continents, how does that book affect you and I today? Well, when you understand this meta-narrative, it all comes together. And you realize that the stories of the Bible are intimately involved with you and with me. It touches our lives. At the center of this narrative is Jesus. From the beginning till the end, it's Jesus. Hallelujah. It's Jesus. And this record that we've got in the Bible has two parts. In the first, the coming of Jesus is prophesied, is announced, as well as pictured. Events happen which paint a picture of what was to come. It's foreshadowed. That's what the the word the Bible uses. Foreshadowed what was going to come. It was like a shadow and then the real thing takes place. In the second part of the historical record is the actual coming of Jesus and the fulfillment of what was foreshadowed and prophesied plus other things which are yet to come. In this morning's reading, we read about the birth of Isaac. And often, when you hear about Isaac, Christians turn their attention to the almost sacrifice of Isaac. Remember? When Abraham was going to sacrifice his son at, at God's instruction. And, it, and we often focus on that event. Oh, that is how Isaac links to Jesus. He, he was almost sacrificed, and then Jesus was actually sacrificed for our sins. And we kind of focus on that. But... The birth of Isaac is just as much a foreshadowing as was that event on Mount Moriah. The birth of Isaac was not only marked by special circumstances, but it is also an important event in that whole meta-narrative of the Bible. It is part of the big picture of the Bible. And we're going to look today at the birth of Isaac as it looks towards the birth of Jesus. Now, this was not an isolated event, but a reference to someone greater. In fact, the whole life of Abraham, God began a process through Abraham, and from Abraham, he created a nation. And from that nation came Jesus. Amen? who became the savior of the whole world, not just of that nation, the Jewish nation. If you look at the details of the birth of Isaac, if you look just at that instance, that happening, isolated, you might say, well, that was amazing. You know, I mean, if it happened today, it would probably have made it to the Guinness Book of Records as the oldest parents in the world, you know. And so you might say, wow, that was interesting. But when you link that birth and you put it in the whole meta-narrative of the Bible, it takes on a whole new meaning. It takes on a whole new importance. And you see, we realize that those details have great importance. It it is part of that story of God choosing one man and then one family And then through this family working to build a nation with the end of bringing through this whole process his firstborn into the world. 
And so there is an analogy between the birth of Isaac and the birth of Jesus Christ, which we're going to look at today. A couple of points. Number one, both births were announced long before. You find this in Genesis 12 and Genesis 17. Both the birth of Jesus and the birth of Isaac were announced long before. In fact, to, to Abraham, the two births of Jesus and of Isaac were virtually announced together. Back in, in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham first that he will make Abraham a great nation. Now, he cannot make a great nation out of Abraham unless he gives him at least one son, right? But then he goes on further, and in verse 3 of that chapter, he says to Abraham that in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You hear that? Not just the families of your nation, the nation I'm going to make out of you. He says, in you, all the nations. What he's doing, he's proclaiming that out of Abraham, someone is going to come that's going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth and not just the Jewish family. Can you see? There's a, there's a, there's a double thing coming on over there. Two very important births being announced virtually together. Now we know throughout Scripture, the birth of Jesus was prophesied. But here is the beginning of the promise of, Asa, of, of Isaac. And so long before Isaac was born, long before Jesus was born, their births were announced. And of course, Abraham had to wait many years before the promise was fulfilled. And the world had to wait a long time Many long years, many centuries, until the Son of God was born as well. Number two, both occur, both births occur at the time fixed by God. Both occur at the time fixed by God. Genesis 17, 21 and Daniel 9, 24 are the references over there. Isaac was born at the set time of which God has spoken to Abraham. And God spoke to him in Genesis 17, 21. He said, Sarah shall bear you at this set time next year. God announced to Abraham long before, then about a year before, he came to Abraham again and says, Abraham, it's time. This time, at the set time, next year, she'll give birth. It was, Isaac wasn't born earlier or later than he should have been. He was born at the right time, at the set time set by God. A time fixed by God. Well, Daniel, in his writings, he spoke about Messiah's birth. And if you read Daniel chapter 9 and, and, and the verses around there, and you work out the time according to what Daniel says. He says from the time the temple is rebuilt, you count so many weeks. And when you work out those dates, it works out exactly to the time when Jesus came to the earth, was born, and died. Because Daniel prophesies that he would be cut off. You die. And you work out that time coincides with the time that Jesus came. And, and that is why in Galatians 4.4, 4, Paul says, When the fullness of time had come, the set time, God sent forth his son. Jesus wasn't born a day sooner or later than he should have. Isaac 
and Jesus were born at the same time. Listen, 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 listen. One more thing is going to happen. Jesus says he's going to return. When is he going to return? Here's the answer. At the same time. <laughs> All right? When was Isaac born? At the same time. When was Jesus born? At the same time. When will Jesus return? Guess what? At the same time. Where is the same time? I don't know. <laughs> but I know it soon. How do I know it soon? Because I know Scripture. And I believe Scripture. When I read Scripture and I look at what's happening in the world today, when I look at history and I look at the events surrounding us today, I know, man, that clock is ticking. And it's going to be soon. You see, if in the first century, or just before the first century, if people had been observing Scripture, they would know that the set time for the coming of Messiah is soon. They couldn't say exactly when, but they could have said, it is soon. Because according to Daniel, this time has passed, it could be any time now. How did the men from the east, eh? the Magi, the wise men, how did they figure out when to come looking for the king? They came, remember they in Babylon? Daniel wrote Daniel, the book of Daniel, in Babylon. Those guys had access to his writings. And they were no fools. They were wise. They were reading. They were watching the times. And they figured out, guys, we better get going. This king is about to be born. And off they go. And God's people were ignorant of the times. When the wise men arrived, they had to go screaming, what, 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 what's supposed to, oh, oh, yes, there's a prophecy, blah, 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 blah. And I wonder today, 2022, how many of God's people are ignorant of the times? Come on, guys, church, let's be aware of the times. Let's not be caught unprepared like the people of God were caught unprepared when Jesus came. They didn't even recognize his coming. Huh? Wow. Now listen. At the set time, Isaac came, Jesus came, and Jesus will return. Listen. It may take time, but what God promises will happen according to his time, not ours. What promises are you believing God for? Wait patiently. It's going to happen, but not in your time. Now, I know, so many times in my life, I've wished I could twist God's arm just to hurry up already. But no. I mean, God thinks he owns the universe, you know. And he can take his sweet time and do things whenever he wants. And I've learned not to argue with God. Just sit back and wait. In his time, things happen. I must just flow with him. His time, his rhythm, his calendar. Amen? Are we learning something here this morning, guys? All right. Well, let's carry on. Number three. Both persons were named before their births. Genesis 17, 19 and Matthew 1, 21. Isaac's name was given to him according to divine command. God said to Moses, Sarah, your wife, shall be your son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And uh, the angel spoke to Joseph and said, listen, uh, Mary will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Their names had been predetermined. 
Number four, both births were supernatural. Both births were supernatural. Genesis 18.11 and Luke 1.34. Genesis 18.11, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Like I said just now, he was 100. She was 90. How many 190-year-olds do you know have you got as friends who bear kids at that age? Huh? <laughs> no. But this, this was supernatural. It's not normal to give birth at that age. Well, it's not normal to give birth when you're a virgin either. And when Mary was, was talking to the angels, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. Hmm? Can a virgin conceive? Well, with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? <laughs> Number five, both births were the occasion of great joy. Genesis 21 and Luke chapter 2. Abram and Sarah had more than common joy as parents. I think every parent has joy when they conceive. Now, I remember when our children was born, particularly our second one, Reuben, my wife was close to, to 40, and she was like, oh, you know, and that anxiety, and then everything went to all, and she gave birth, and he came out fine, and it was, yeah, hallelujah, we made it, you know, it's a bit later in life, but we made it. And, and there's a great joy and excitement, there's always great joy and excitement. But when things happen in a supernatural way like this, when things happen that should not have happened, Again, like in my wife and I's case, because I was not supposed to have kids. Some of you know my story. I had a tumor in my brain. It, it, was, it was messing up my, my, my chemical balance. I had no sperm. And they were going to operate to remove this tumor, and God healed me in the process of preparation for the operation. Next thing we knew, we're pregnant. Yay! And so it was great joy when our kids came along. And both of them, you know, when the devil wants to kind of give me trouble, says, Futsa, get out of here, devil. Because Jesus is alive. Look at my daughter. Look at my son. Proof that you are nothing and Jesus is everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it was great. <laughs> great excitement. Great occasion. Great joy. But for, for Abraham and Sarah, it was an exceptional great joy to give birth at 90 years old for Sarah. You know? Uh, and of course, you know, in the, in the, in the verse we read this morning, verse 6, Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh at me. Now, that, that word laugh in that verse is a laughter of joy and excitement. Remember, early on in her life, she had laughed as well. But of mocking. When, when she heard God saying, she's going to be a mama. And at the time, she was already advanced in age. She laughed. Says, ha, ha, what? Me be a mama? Ha, ha, ha. And she laughed like mocking and, and, and ridiculous laughter. But when she gave birth to Isaac, she laughed out of joy and out of excitement. And there was joy to Abram and to Sarah. And of course, you know from Luke 2 that when Jesus was born, the record shows us that, that the angels and men rejoiced at his birth. So both births were occasion of great joy. And finally, number six, both births are associated with life beyond, with the life beyond, with eternal life. Both of these births are linked to eternal life. Matthew 18, 11 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Matthew 8, 11 says that the faithful shall sit down with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, 
We're going to be sitting down, and Isaac is going to be there. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna mess with him. You're going to say, hey, Isaac, hey, Boyki, come here. What's, like, what's it like to have great-grandparents for parents, huh? <laughs> We're going to tease him, aren't we? Tell us about life. Anyway, we are going to be spend eternity with them. But it also says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, that the faithful will be with Christ, with Jesus, forever with the Lord. Both of these men, both of these supernatural births, both of these children who became men are going to be with God for eternity. We are going to see them. Both of those births are associated with life beyond. Amen? Well, as we look at the birth of Isaac and the birth of Jesus, I want you all, folks, listen, all of you, those of you watching, listening, those of you here, listen carefully. As you consider these births, think of the following. What God promises happens according to His time. Amen? If you take nothing else, if you remember nothing else today, remember this. What God promises happens according to His time. Amen? Oh yes, we wish (laughs) some of His promises would happen in our time. Eh? However, they don't. It is His time. At the appointed time, His promises are fulfilled. Many promises and promises that God made, prophecies and promises that God made, have been fulfilled. But there are some which have not been fulfilled yet. So here's my question to you. (laughs) Do you still believe that those prophecies will truly be fulfilled? You see, in the first century, there were Christians who were beginning to doubt some of the promises of God. Come on. Jesus had gone up to heaven. And not 50, 60 years later, some people were, "Mm, I wonder. Jesus said he's coming back soon. Like 50 years have gone by. I wonder. And the apostles had to kind of be hard on these guys. He says, hey, if he's delaying his coming, it's because he loves you. and He's giving people opportunity to come into the kingdom, but he will come. 2,000 years later, I think you and I, we, we, we have the right to say, ah, man, I, I think it's over, eh? No, 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 no. Look, two, a, a hundred years, yeah. Okay, we give it a thousand years. But after that, maybe these problems are just, come on. How many millennium did it take for Jesus to come from the first time that it was announced? Remember, at the fall, God already spoke that someone is going to come uh-huh, and tramp on the head of the snake. And then this promise gets repeated over and over again. Then a birth happens to picture the birth of Christ. And time goes by and we look at other births in this series, which kept on reinforcing the message of Christ. And then he came. It took hundreds, thousands of years. And then he came. Are we going to give up? Because of the 2,000 years, we haven't seen some prophecies fulfilled. But look around. Others have been fulfilled. Where are you today? In believing the promises of God. 
Do you still believe that Jesus will return? It's a promise he made. Remember, what God promises will happen. According to whose time? His time. Amen. At the set time, Jesus will return. But what about you and God? What about the promises that God has maybe made to you? Do you believe, do you sense that throughout your life, God spoke some things to you? He dropped some things in your spirit? Maybe you read scripture and you felt God speaking to you. Uh, maybe through the word of a prophet or a brother or sister in your quiet time or while journaling, you believe God dropped the word in your spirit and it's a promise from him to you and you're waiting for the fulfillment of that promise and years have gone by and nothing has happened yet. Do you still believe that God keeps his promises? I'm talking about between you and him right now. How has God kept promises to you in the past? And I want to encourage all of you, those of you online, those of you listening, those of you here, please take some time this week to ponder on this, to journal, to pray about this. And offer thanks and praise to God for every promise that God has kept in your life. And maybe if there are some promises that are pending, well, take some time. And offer a prayer of faith, declaring your trust in Him, declaring your belief and your faith that what He has promised, He will do. It will come true when in His time. Just declare that to Him. Amen? And so I pray that this message on the birth of Isaac, the unexpected son, will encourage you. And keep you, keep you and I believing in God's promises. Amen? And again, keep in mind that God keeps His promises according to His time. Amen? Praise God. Come, let's stand up and let's close in prayer. And afterwards, enjoy a little bit of time of fellowship and coffee outside. And we'll see you back here again at 7 o'clock tonight for our end of the year function. Amen? Father, thank you so much for this time together in worship and around your word, my God. Thank you for reminding us again today, Lord, through this story of Isaac. That yes, sometimes your promises take time in coming about, in being fulfilled. But Lord, at your appointed time, they happen. And so I pray, Father, for every one of my brothers and my sisters, everyone under the sound of my voice through this message, Lord, that you encourage each one of them to never give up believing, Lord, in your promises, both in your general promises to this world and in their, your specific promises to each one of us. Thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. And for your goodness, for you are the God who keeps his promises in your appointed time. We give you praise and glory, Lord. So now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we wait expectantly and patiently for his time.
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those of you who have children, I pray that you wait expectantly and patiently as they finish their final rehearsal. Enjoy some coffee, some fellowship, and we'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. God bless you. Amen.